Welcome to Saturday Strategy, the business show for the small and mighty. This is your host, Johnny Themans. Hi, and welcome to the Saturday Strategy Podcast, the show for business owners who want to cut the crap and get the answers. I'm Johnny, and I'm your host. And if you're a regular, then welcome back. If you're a newbie, then thank you so much for joining us. Over the years at Good to Great, we've recruited three apprentices. And to support these roles and ensure that they're able to contribute positively to our business, as well as learn skills to help with their career development, we've worked with a local company called SBC Training. I've asked Sam Shaw from SBC to come onto the show to help us to understand how apprenticeships are evolving and how they can benefit us and how we can access them. There's been a lot of change in that sector, and I think it's a great update for us. He's also got some valuable advice for us on how to develop and access training for our staff and how to access funding as well to assist with our investment in skills. The Saturday Strategy Podcast is a pilot project to help develop the way that we bring information to you and as such it's a resource for you. So if you've got any thoughts or feedback on this episode then please we'd love to hear from you so that we can continue to craft it and refine it so it's truly useful. We've got lots of information in the episode so remember if you're driving or just getting on with other stuff you can always find the notes on our website or better still subscribe to the Saturday Strategy Weekly Email News Update. And now for this episode's expert guest. So we've got Sam Shaw with us today. Sam is with a company called SBC Training, based in Shrewsbury in Shropshire here, close to where we are at Good to Great. Um, SBC is a specialist uh, apprenticeship and training provider. And uh, wherever you are, there's always a company a bit like SBC near you. I describe them a bit, as a bit more of a, a boutique service for um, apprenticeships and training. Sam's got a, a, an HR career going back over 11 years and with, with SBC, I think all the way through. And during that time worked across such a range of experiences with over 1500 apprentices now, uh, placed and trained and over 500 employers he's worked with and that's from uh, the larger right down to the smaller companies we've had the pleasure of uh, good to great of having sbc training help us with three apprentices through our business as well which has been a great experience uh, in in all cases so very pleased to uh, have you join us today sam hi how are you i'm very well thank you very much johnny how are you i'm really good thank you really good good to chat to you again now sam thanks very much for joining us today i i wanted to get you onto the podcast because um, one of the challenges of course with growing a business particularly for an owner manager is how to upskill your workforce that's a very jargony type term we'll talk about oh you've got to build capacity upskill your workforce and those are those nice big easy things to say but in practice actually pretty difficult things to do when your workforce consists of two or ten people so I thought it'd be good to talk about training and I wanted to also understand about apprenticeships because I know that apprenticeships aren't just about school leavers and simple things like that. There is more to it. So can we start off, Sam? I mean, I think it'd be really helpful. Could you just tell us what an apprenticeship is these days? It's kind of a three-way partnership between an employer, an employee or an apprentice and a training provider or a college. And we all work towards the same end goal of getting them through a series of qualifications, building their skills, knowledge and behaviours in a specific area over a period of time. An actual apprenticeship programme 
can be for someone who's already in work, already employed, who's wanting to take a step up and learn a new qualification or skill. Or it can be a brand spanking new employment contract for an employer who would like to take on an apprentice to learn their special way of working. So you can be placed as an apprentice or undertake an apprenticeship whilst you're in work. Okay. I mean, people often hear that sort of a, it's a it's a level one apprenticeship, a level five million, or whatever. Could you could you try and translate a little bit what those levels mean, and and just talk us through those so we understand what we're looking at at each stage. Typically, the apprenticeship levels will range from a level two all the way up to a level seven. Now, a level two is roughly equivalent to kind of GCSE level. It's a, almost an introductory level. And as you go up the stages, the kind of apprenticeship program matches in seniority. So around level seven, you're looking at a postgraduate degree kind of level. Like a master's? Like a master's, yes, yes. So they increasingly go up in experience and skills and behaviours that you have to have within your work role. We tend to specialise in the level twos and the level threes with some spattering to level five, which is kind of like an undergraduate degree. Is, yeah. is that similar to what we used to have? I don't, know, I don't even know if they still exist, but the old HND? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That level five is roughly equivalent to that. And in terms of the types of subject areas we could be looking at, what, what subjects can we find? What can we do? You can effectively find an apprenticeship in almost any subject areas. So you can be an apprenticeship undertaker, for example. Really? Um, or an accountant. See, it covers the entire range of spectrums, effectively. Wherever someone has requested that there is an apprenticeship, there should now be a relevant apprenticeship standard. Um, what, about, what about age groups? I think you can do any age, can't you? Is that right? You can start an apprenticeship at any age, as long as you're over the age of 16. Mm-hmm. And working, you have to be in work to do an apprenticeship. Okay. You can, you can start one. We do have a lot of younger learners. Our oldest learner, I think, is in her 60s. Well, that's nice. And our youngest will be 16. I'm going to make a statement here, but I think I'm asking a question. Okay. I think it used to be that to get yourself a good apprenticeship was a real was a real coup. You would be learning a real craft or a real trade or, or something that would be amazing. And then I feel that the apprenticeships were devalued over a bit of time and it, an apprenticeship became something that you would do because you couldn't do a degree. Um, yes. And I feel that the tide is turning on that one. And I don't know why that is. And it'd be interesting just for you to explain that for a little second um, so we can understand that. But am I, am I, are my perceptions right there, Sam? A while back, I think it was in the early 2000s, companies just seemed to stop doing apprenticeships altogether. Um, and in the last couple of years, the government introduced some changes to improve the actual quality of provision. Mm-hmm. And they're really having a focus on bringing apprenticeships back as an equivalent to doing a degree but what they might be missing is that they might not have the relevant experience so you can read all about kicking a football until you think you're an expert but if you've never done it before when you first come to attempt it you're not going to have the skills that you thought you might have but it's those skills that the employers really value but yes i think uh you're quite right in your observation of that one the the governments have you say put a big focus on improving quality there how how have they done that sam Standards. Now, the emphasis is very much with the training providers like ourselves and the colleges to deliver just the training. We used to also be responsible for assessing competence along the way. So at the end of a programme, we could say, yep, this apprentice has ticked off all the boxes, we think, and therefore they should get this apprenticeship qualification. Now, 
we have to prepare them for an endpoint assessment, which is carried out by an industry body. So we have to prepare them to be examined by an industry body. And they will not get past that endpoint assessment if they are not fully prepared. That's excellent, yeah. That level has, has really driven up the quality. That's, 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 that's a good thing then, isn't it? It is, it is. Okay, brilliant stuff. So let's talk about the the training burden on a business. Imagine for the moment I'm an employer with three staff. Bearing in mind I'm I'm already a really time strapped, cash strapped business owner. You know, I may have some money, but I can tell you now I can think of ten things I can spend it on and training's only one of them. How do I ensure number one I get some good value out of that? Second, how do I then match that money I'm putting in with time because finding time is is really hard. An apprenticeship is a very involved program. The actual funding rules or the rules of apprenticeships, if you're having funding, require the apprentice or person undertaking an apprenticeship to spend at least 20% of their working time undertaking off the job training. So that might mean attendance at workshops. It could mean working towards coursework that's uh, relevant to the apprenticeship. It could be learning a new skill in the workplace that you're teaching them. Yes. So what you really need is way up whether or not an apprenticeship would be appropriate for your existing members of staff. Mm-hmm. Are they going to learn sufficient new skills and behaviours to better themselves? Or is there a, a job role there that could be filled by an apprentice that would help create time effectively for your existing members of staff? So 20%, that's a day a week. Effectively, yes. Does that include things like home study if they have to do some work at home or things like that is that included as part of that people do work at home on an apprenticeship you must be paid for the time you spend training so effectively it should be one of your working days you mentioned in there funding well yes the government provides funding for people on apprenticeships now the type of funding you're eligible for as an employer depends very much on your size Mm -hmm. but the majority of businesses will be able to access at least 95% of the apprenticeship cost and funding. And someone like ourselves has access to contracts to be able to do that. Okay. What is the cost? It very much depends on the apprenticeship standard that they're undertaking. Imagine if I'm recruiting somebody and let's say they've just finished their A-levels and they've chosen not to go to university and they've chosen to come to work in my small company. What what level would they be coming in at and what would that cost me as um, for that 5% I've got to contribute? Generally, they'll be starting on either level 2 or level 3. Mm-hmm. The minimum you would have to pay depending on circumstances, is zero towards the actual apprenticeship. The maximum would be around £1,500, depending on the programme. Over what period? So if you're undertaking a technical programme such as engineering, you're looking at a four-year apprenticeship programme. Mm-hmm. If you're taking maybe business administration, you'll be looking at around 12 to 15 months period. So between one and four years? And I presume that the £1,500 cost is for the four-year type ones. The shorter apprenticeships, I assume, would be cheaper? Much, much, much cheaper, yeah. If you had to pay, yeah. which about 50% of our employers have to contribute towards, I'd be looking between 300 and, and the 1500 And in terms of the pay rates then, so I'm only, in terms of productive time, I'm getting 80% of a person. Can I pay them 80% of their salary? If you're employing an apprentice, the minimum you can offer them is £3.90 per hour. It reflects the fact that they're on an apprenticeship as opposed to being at college or university. But you can also offer them whatever you like over and above that. You have to meet at least £3.90 per hour. If someone's already employed by yourself, 
the apprenticeship will not affect their employment terms conditions so they'd stay on exactly the same pay rate as they were employed all makes sense now sam another fear that people have and t- tell me about this one is that um if i train them they'll then just go and they'll je- then just go and leave and get a job somewhere else this is a big one this is I get asked this all the time. My viewpoint is it that actually employing someone as an apprentice or putting someone, investing that time in a current employee will make them have a stronger sense of loyalty towards you mm-hmm. as an employer. And if they enjoy their job role and they're being looked after properly, there's no reason why they would want to go elsewhere once they've got the skills. That's my feeling. And in fact, the majority of apprenticeships that they stay with the employer who gave them that chance in the first place. So a lot of people, I think, do though offer a fixed term contract for the period of the apprenticeship don't they they do so why when you can offer somebody a long-term contract you put some conditions of that contract first of all is they're expected to complete an apprenticeship within the first year of their employment they're expected to turn up smart for work and all of those other things and it would just be one of those standards that if you got to the end of that 12 months and they hadn't achieved the apprenticeship because they hadn't taken it seriously they hadn't done the things you wanted you'd you'd have to then have a review and say is this job right for you but i think from day one you'd just be making a, a different statement by saying this is a, this is a, a permanent position, the first year of which involves training. From my point of view, that would be absolutely ideal that people did offer the longer contracts. Is there a barrier from some employers to actually doing that? There is a lot of employees see it as risk, so they minimise that risk by offering a fixed-term contract because it's the minimum required by law. They have to have a contract of employment for at least the duration of their apprenticeship. I'd be very interested to know about retention rates for apprentices. Do you track any numbers like that at all, or do you have any feel for that at all, Sam? in the high 90s uh, in percentage terms so most people complete their apprenticeship and stay in the employment they were in to start off with so you might as well just offer them a contract to start off with well i would that would be the ideal world yes yeah so okay so talk to me a little bit about training then is there funding for that as well yeah we do have a small contract and effectively it's for short sharp qualification right so for example if you're working in health and social care you're quite new to the industry and you haven't had any formal training before we can go in and offer a full level two qualification fully funded on this european social mm-hmm. funding contract or if you're um, say maybe you've been work for a little while and you're taking a step up to become mm-hmm. a team leader you could undertake a, a level three award in, in team leading for example understood so if i identified a vacancy and i said I need to have a supervisor and I think that, you know, this person, person A, is the ideal candidate to promote up to that role. I want to provide them with some some training to support that promotion. We, we could put together a package for that and I would then have to release them for, what, for a day a week, for a year? Is that is that the same or is it for a shorter period? That would be a much shorter period. You'd be looking at six workshops maybe over a couple of months. So I could I could support that promotion of that person with, can we get this straight, is that six days of training over a over a yeah. over a 12-week period basically yes, yes so that's really good and 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 again that's funded is it that is yes currently for for small and medium employers within the marches area mm-hmm. so shropshire Hereford, yeah. and telford and Reakin, we can we can supply that fully funded but there, but there are similar things around the country yeah there's different projects in different areas it depends what the LEPs have decided to um, assign the money to. So we've, there's different strands, and one of them is supporting the workforce. There should be similar projects around the country, yes. So what are the pitfalls then? Why, why wouldn't I want to do this? It sounds like somebody's trying to pay me to develop my people so that my business can, can improve and grow. It's, uh, am I missing something? Well, from the apprentice point of view, employers tend to underestimate the amount of time it's going to take them as well. We provide training, but we're only having them for one day a week. The other four days, they need to be trained and developed 
by the employer themselves. So there is a commitment. You're taking a commitment to take on a new person. Um, that would be the biggest fear, biggest risk, I suppose. As apprentices as well, you cannot let them go during that apprenticeship time period for not being good at the, at the role. Because the entire point is we have to work together to get them to where you want them to be. So it's kind of like that commitment probably the biggest risk. Okay. But again, if you're taking on someone who's experienced and qualified, you're on the same risks. I, I, it, it sounds it sounds very much like the normal risks you have from employing a person. So, okay, great. So if I wanted to learn about this, Sam, and I was thinking about uh, how am I going to approach this, I, I really should know more about um, these training courses, these short upskilling opportunities that are funded maybe, um, apprenticeship programs maybe bringing new people in so they're coming in with some structured programs so I can start to treat my tiny little workforce in the way that a large company might treat the learning and development of their team. How do I even start to find out about this? There is some helpful little bits out there like the Institute for Apprenticeships website. On the sidebar, there is a little option which you can have a look at for who delivers near me. So that would show you the local providers or the national providers as well. And you can also look at the employee satisfaction rates and success rates alongside those of each individual apprenticeship provider. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Sam. I've learned a lot today. Good bit of jargon busting and myth myth dispelling, I think. Understanding some of the funding out there sounds really, you know, really good and, and, and will be very, very valuable. How can, uh, how can our listeners find you, Sam? How, what, what's the best way to contact you? Well, if you're looking for SBC training, you can visit our website, sbc-training.com. .co.uk mm-hmm. alternatively if you want to speak to me directly uh, the office number is 01743 excellent that's really helpful Sam thank you for your time today and for coming on and sharing that with us so uh, thank, thank you Sam pleasure thank you thank you thank you that is it for this episode of the Saturday Strategy Podcast thank you for sticking with us to the end our aim is to be useful. So if you've got any feedback, then please let us know and we'll take it on board and we'll continue to use that information to help us to develop and refine um, future episodes. If you want to contact me directly, you can contact me pretty easily on LinkedIn by searching for Johnny Themans. Or if you're into Twitter, you can find Saturday Strategy. Or if you want to reach out directly using WhatsApp, you can use 07977 360 and that is my personal mobile number thank you again until next time and remember if you enjoyed this please subscribe to the saturday strategy weekly email newsletter (music) 